Liftoff. We have a liftoff. This is the Owls Podcast. It serves as a disclaimer. All views expressed on this podcast are for entertainment and educational purposes only. I am not a financial advisor and recommend that you seek one when seeking financial advice. Enjoy. Man, welcome back to the Owls Podcast. It's been a minute. And again, I'm your host, D. Wayne McCarthy, and this is the Owls Podcast, episode 14. We still in this thing. So, um... I know I've been on for a while. I had got a rhabdomyolysis back in like October and then I got like shingles and stuff like that. So it kind of set me back a little bit, but not to mention that, you know, of course it was a holiday time. So I was kind of in that little grind phase to kind of make Christmas happen. You know what I mean? So anyways, um, thank you again for all those who are uh, avid listeners and who are participants in the podcast. I greatly appreciate you and your time. You didn't have to be here, but you're here anyway. So I say thank you. Um, now, as always, I like to give like a little small recap as far as just little life updates and whatnot. So um, as far as life, man, 2024 so far, I can't complain. I've been going in with a, a, a big level of optimism really um of course i have my little moments where you know in 2023 had his little rough patches you know i hope it doesn't spill into 2024 but that's life and i'm learning that you know life has its own forms of challenges and adversities and you know part of it is just adjusting to the changes itself and just kind of just being more flexible you know and, and and adjusting with the punches rolling with life so anyways you know as usual um me and the wife, we still been watching our little TV shows. We're still keeping up with the the, the Power series. So we're on Raising Canaan, I think season four. No, season three. Yeah, I think it's season three. Anyways, uh, we last we watched the last episode recently. I think it was episode seven, and it wasn't it wasn't pretty bad. Or yeah, it was pretty good. <laughs> I'll say that. Um, you know, of course, this is the story about. Kanan, the character that 50 Cent plays and how he became the person that he is with the influences he had in his youth and made him this power hungry individual who ultimately got sent to prison in the later power series. So well, it's not bad. We've also started a new show called The Brother's Son. It's on Netflix. It's not bad. It's like an eight episode series. And, uh, I mean, it's pretty good. I didn't think I was going to like it initially, but it, it it's action. You know what I mean? So I can't go wrong with a little bit of action and humor. So, um, it's pretty good. You should give it a check. Check it out on, uh, on Netflix. So anyways, with no further ado, let's jump into the podcast. Let's begin with market talk. All right. So, um, last year in 2023, um, the indices finished, you know, pretty strong, relatively strong. We had, um, was it the S&P 500 finished with roughly 27, I think, no, it might have been 23%. It might have been 23%. The Dow finished just as, about just as high, but the, the NASDAQ, that joker was between 48 and 54%. I mean, it just had a complete U-turn from the 2020 lows and it just went straight up from there. You know, I think a lot of people began to brush off the concerns, I guess, as far as the whole narrative of there being a recession and whatnot. And they kind of really just sent the market higher. I think a lot of people began to also FOMO in into the market as well, too. You know, um, 
I think people wanted to get, you know, some type of form of exposure. So those that were sitting on the sideline decided to get in. We had the Christmas rally and also, too, we're approaching an election year and we're also getting closer possibly to the end of uh, the Fed rate hike cycle. So um, for those who are paying attention to um, Jerome Powell and the Fed's decision on how they're approaching um, inflation and just global macroeconomics, you know, um, Jerome Powell had just hiked interest rates, you know, significantly um, in the last two years. And I think we're at five and a quarter basis points, which is actually historically where interest rates typically are. And it's a kind of like a sweet spot. Um, lately, I've been reading a book called uh, The 21st Century Monetary Policy, and it's by Ben Bernanke, who was the Fed chairman before Jerome Powell. And he really gives like an historical account of how the Fed's actions and inactions has led to boom and bust cycles of um, the economy and the stock market. And um, also, too, on the global scale, how, you know, other countries have, you know, um, failed, you know, in response uh, because of the Fed's decision on how they approach uh, monetary policy. And that's something I learned, you know, understanding the difference between fiscal policy and monetary policy. So fiscal policy is essentially like um, it's more like the government's role, because remember, the government is separate from the Federal Reserve, but they work in conjunction. So like the U.S. Treasury works with the Federal Reserve and the president. Right. So they all come together and discuss monetary policy. Now, ironically, the uh, the president is the one that picks the 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 president of the uh of the the federal reserve so anyways he does so because he's you know trying to have some pool on how monetary policy works so monetary policy is more so the influence of interest rates uh, reserve bank notes you know um so these things are like tools that the fed uses to get you know um interest rates and inflation under control so understanding that the how this ties in today i mean that book is very enlightening and just kind of just understanding how you have um how i say it, goal independence which is something that the the government kind of more so has an, uh, an agenda on so like goal independence is more so like we are focusing on getting the u.s through a recession right um but like i guess like goal dependence is a little bit different and it's like more so like how the fed operates using certain tools i could be saying that in i guess reverse but anyways the fed and the <clears throat> the the u.s treasury work in conjunction on addressing how to combat inflation to maximize employment and economic stability so um the book is really enlightening again it's the 21st century of monetary policy by ben bernanke so anyways um so the last rate hike, I believe, was like, I think it was in November or so. And Jerome Powell has just kept interest rates where they've been for the last few months. So he's not trying to raise interest rates unless the economic data shows so. And uh, I mean, we've been seeing positive growth. Unemployment rates are still relatively low, historically low. And that's really good uh, because it means that the economy is is almost fully employed you know what i mean so that's really important to our gdp and it also helps with economic expansion so i've learned learned a lot in these last few months just 
you know, despite me not being on the podcast, I've been reading quite a bit and it's been very enlightening and helps me also be able to contribute more information to you guys who actually do care about this stuff. So, um, but Jerome Powell is keeping interest rates higher for longer for the time being. But mind you, if you've tuned into prior podcasts, we talked about the importance of the stock almanac and how it talks about historically how the presidential cycle plays a big role in how monetary policy works. So again, monetary policy is the influence of um, when it comes down to interest rates, you have you know economic stability, um, you have maximum employment. These are the, the, the roles of the, the Fed. So when going into an election cycle, as we are going into now, and as we know, we know that the Democrats haven't really pushed any other candidate outside of uh, excuse me, outside of Joe Biden, President Joe Biden. And of course, the um, GOP is, is championing um, former President Donald Trump. So with that being said, we're probably going to see more than likely a rematch. You know, Nikki Haley is still in the race. She hasn't endorsed Trump just yet at the time of this podcast, time of this recording. But it's looking that way. And I think... Uh, she kind of shot herself in the foot. You know, she she said some controversial things that really probably are going to impact her, her campaign, her, her likelihoods for winning New Hampshire. So, I mean, it's yeah, the GOP has Trump. That's <laughs> the best way to put it. So anyways, um, right now, going into this election year, we're looking at possibly the first um, rate cut sometime between um, March, which is the end of the first quarter. Right. So remember in the prior podcast, we talked about there's every three months make up uh, one quarter. Right. So there's four quarters in a year, um, 12 months in a year. Right. So every three quarters there, um, so every three months, there's a quarter. So we're looking at possibly the first rate cut in uh, March. Now, again, in prior podcast, we talked about how important these rate cuts are. Or are right, so um, this essentially means that it money is a little bit more cheaper, right? So when you go to the bank, you're looking for a loan. When they cut the interest rates, you don't have to pay as much, right? So um, you know, going into the election year, this is important for the the current incumbent party sitting in, like, hey, to psychologically make you feel better as um, as a citizen, you know, as a, a U.S. resident, we want to make sure that you feel like your money. Or is in your pocket, right? So um, you have President Joe Biden pulling up all the stops right now. He's trying to forgive all these student loan debts um, because he's trying to, you know, champion himself off of what he initially came in on, right? A lot of voters had put him in office because of the idea that he can make real change, you know, especially for people like myself who own student debt, right? Um, it'll be nice to have it forgiven, <laughs> despite what many would say. Um, I think it will help, you know, particularly people who are of minority. And I mean, not just minorities, anybody. If you have debt, I mean, to have it forgiven will help. But however, though, there is a um, there is a an, another side to it, though, because we also are at a historical high for um, U.S. deficit as far as we're 34 trillion dollars in, in debt right now. And part of this is the byproduct of the government using subsidies, right? Um, so remember we talked about fiscal policy earlier, right? So when the government does some type of incentive or like um, government programs or anything like that, such as student loan forgiveness, 
These are things that contribute to the debt when they also give money to fund wars. This also gives, you know, this also contributes to debt, the fiscal policy. So, again, I learned this in the um, 21st century monetary policy of how important, you know, um, the president utilizes his um, his power. Right. So um, this contributes to inflation. So, again, the the goal of the Fed is to get inflation down to two percent, roughly at three and a half percent maybe i think a little bit more like 3.6 or so but we're trying to get down to two point excuse me two percent so um it being an election year um i can see that we may go ahead and start cutting interest rates at the end of the first quarter which is going to stimulate the economy which means that we get more money in our pockets so um i mean this is just change overall to the next point of as far as just the sentiment in the market, you know, we went from this bearish mindset, how the economy was about to enter a recession. And many still argue that we are still going into a recession. It's just because of the presidential cycle. It's just kind of delaying the likelihood we will go into one. But also, too, though, the the data is showing, though, that we are nowhere near a recession at the time. So I know that last year you kind of heard me, you know, with the narrative that it was a bearish economy that we were looking at a recession possibly um that you know we had credit card debt at all-time highs like i said we were at 31 trillion dollars in debt at one time so now i mean the debt is still growing you know what i mean so the issue that we suffer from as uh, americans is that we prolong the inevitable which is at some point in time we're going to have to address this this growing amount of debt that we're in. So we went from this bearish sentiment on the outlook of the economy to this bullish sentiment now in 2024 that the economy is going to do well. And I mean, like I said, the, the, the data shows that we are doing fairly well. So we'll see. Um, we saw back in Q4, I mean, consumer spending was at all time highs. And also too, now that the government is getting rid of the subsidies of people, staying at home doing nothing and getting paid for nothing well with higher interest rates if you think about it it's forced people back into the labor market which is good um, because that's also contributing to gdp gross domestic product right so that's a big a big thing for us because it's showing that we're growing as an economy and one thing i learned within the 21st century uh book was that you know as far as what led to the um the 1990s just thriving the way it did under Alan Greenspan was that um, technology. Technology was this big push for the economy to grow, but also, too, it was cutting uh, labor costs. Right. So as technology, you know, the the started to grow as far as like the um, dot com business and, and, and websites and whatnot. If you think about it, the reason why it did so well is because the it was producing it was generating income without the, the the labor overhead, without the labor costs, right? So that was key to the 1990s growing was that inflation was low, you had interest rates low, and then also too, you had companies actually producing money. Now there's an argument that there weren't too many good companies producing, like, you know, website companies that were producing, but I mean, the economy was growing because it was, everybody was, you know, speculative and, and putting their money towards, um, no website businesses so the overhead was low so if you think about it for an example like general motors 
General Motors, you know, they have a lot of labor over cost or overhead. You know what I mean? So they have the mechanics, they have machines, they have bodies, they have, you know, the assembly lines. Right. So you have all these people who are laborers and they cost money. Right. So if the machines go down, you need mechanics to to, uh, you know, fix them. If the mechanics go down, you need to replace the mechanics. You know what I mean? Um, you have to pay benefits, insurance. So the company like Facebook, they don't have that same type of oversight, right? Or overhead costs. You know, it's just computers and, you know, a handful of people that are uh, ingenuitive and creative and, you know, just focusing on growth. So the overhead's cheaper, but it's also producing GDP. So you can make that argument right now. We're in that same phase with artificial intelligence right now, right? So, you know, AI is projected to change the world as we know it, right? So just like how the microwave changed the way that the world operates, um, phones, the internet, um, the iPhone, it's projected that the um, that artificial intelligence in itself will um, change the world as we know it with these large language models, it being able to adapt and, and, and produce tasks for you. So, I mean, you've seen a massive layoff right now within, uh, these tech companies who are finding ways to use artificial intelligence to get stuff done that, you know, in, in, in the prior, it took, you know, 10 bodies, you know, to do one task. You know what I mean? With artificial intelligence, it's replacing those bodies. We saw on Google, Google had like a layoff of a hundred people or so. I think more, honestly, I can't remember off the top of my head, but Google started to lay um, bodies off. Amazon is doing the same thing because they're finding ways to replicate the same efforts it would take for somebody who is, um, you know, doing a task that takes like I said, 10 bodies. AI is replacing it. So, um, I mean, it's, it's just one of these, um, phenomena that's just going to change the world as we know it. So anyways, um, if we think about it though, I mean, we're in this, we're in a bull cycle right now. Honestly, if you want to put it into, into just layman terms, but again, that doesn't change the outlook on our debt, right? Debt is still constantly growing. We're paying $2 billion dollars in interest on that 34 trillion dollars so i don't know we'll see hopefully this ai cycle will help you know produce growth it'll help produce you know money and jobs um so that we can turn you know um this debt and <laughs> just turn this debt into less debt so another big thing that's taking place we're or finally we're in earnings season right so um netflix have reported um earnings today and they blew earnings out the water in q4 so they had um, beat earnings by 120 million dollars right so they produced a lot of subscribers back in q4 and a lot of that's a credit to the fact that netflix had to go about changing their business model so if you remember netflix started to crack down on password sharing they upped their you know their tiers and ads um you know they have they charge more right um so people figure they rather just go ahead and get their own subscription you know versus doing the the password sharing so this is also contributing to um growth with um within netflix but not to mention something big happened today and which was dwayne the rock johnson had got appointed to the board of directors on um tko which is the parent company for WWE um, Raw, right? 
So this is big. Not only that, but they're also too. Netflix is now in partnership with them. And now wrestling fans will now have to transition to Netflix in order to watch wrestling live. So Netflix is winning right now, right? At the time of this record, Netflix is at $492 a share. So Netflix is transitioning as Amazon did. Amazon started to do what uh, Thursday Night Football. Netflix is doing the same thing with wrestling. So these companies are trying to pivot right they are getting exposure which is going to help them grow in their profit margins which is key and it's also important for you if you're not investing to get to get invested in some of these companies that are you know just producing profits right um you know in, in today's time and i've talked about in prior podcasts if you don't have some form of exposure to a a a vehicle that is giving you growth into your money then you're you're not keeping up with the rate of inflation and and the cost of living, right? So, essentially, your money is dwindling, right? Though you may have it invested into a bank account, a quote unquote high, um, high dividend or excuse me, high yield savings account, it's not beating the rate of inflation. It's not keeping up with the rate of inflation or the cost of living. So you have to find you know um, asset vehicles that are going to help you beat the market, right? So if inflation is at 6%, you need to find a vehicle that's producing better than 6%. If the cost of living with inflation, excuse me, is adjusted to 10%, you need to find a vehicle that's doing 10% or better. So it's just one of these things where it's important that you pay attention to the the, the stock market as we know it. You know what I mean? Because these are, these are companies that you can get exposure to that will help you now generate um, some form of wealth. Right. So anyways, um, Netflix is produced or excuse me, is projected to produce more subscribers in 2024. They're looking at with this deal with, um, you know, WWE, that this is going to help generate more subscribers to their platform, which is going to generate more money in their pockets. And they're also talking about increasing their subscription costs as well, too. So this is. This is big for them. I mean, and and as people are returning back to work, as wages are increasing somewhat, that people are going to, you know, invest in some form of entertainment, something that's going to just help them take their minds off of the day to day life stressors. Right. So um, this is a win for Netflix, if you ask me. So at this point now, though, I want to transition into tech talk. Right. So. Um, Apple, <laughs> Apple has been in the news for like the last, I don't know, five, six months and how they're going to adjust to um, these new changes in the world. Remember, you have Amazon who's producing their own artificial intelligence. You have Google, you have um, NVIDIA, you have Meta. These are large competitors that are using AI large language models to be able to help produce more revenue right these are ever-growing companies that are finding ways to generate income now as always many have stated that apple is not a company that is good with um, ingenuity and growth they usually lag there's a laggard before before they can actually come out with some form of product to be um, a competitor to these other companies right so um as we know, Apple has been taking these big, big hits. You know, um, we're starting to see that China has turned away from Apple products. You know, they're going to, to Huawei phones. 
Um, and not only that, but Apple's getting hit with, you know, these regulatory fines. We're seeing that Apple's having, you know, a little bit of pushback on these new goggles that they're working on, the Vision Pro. I mean, Apple's just kind of been in the news lately. They're not, you know, coming out with new creative phones. And that's that's crazy because Samsung recently came out with a phone that's having AI um, capabilities, right? So it's going to be able to learn your day-to-day -day patterns. It's going to be able to implement, you know, your your routine and it will implement it into the phone seamlessly. And so this is big for, um, you know, as far as phone users, right? They want some form of exposure to artificial intelligence that may help their life, you know, just be that much easier. You have uh, companies like, uh, that are like Googling them or finding ways to make your experience using their products and services that much better, right? So like, I know for my phone, when I have the Google app on there, it uses, it, it I mean, it's kind of scary, but it, it it's able to determine where my trajectory is when I get in my vehicle. So if I get into my truck, it'll tell me, Google Maps will tell me, hey, it's gonna be an hour and 17 minutes till you get to your job or it's gonna be 15 minutes before you get home, or it's gonna be 12 minutes to your parents' house. And it's crazy because it's picking up on your cues and it's able to tell where you're going based on how often you travel certain routes, right? So um, that's just AI in itself, just kind of just helping you on your day-to-day -day journey, right? Um, so that's pretty cool. But also too, you know, Amazon's using AI to help learn what your interests are, right? When you purchase products and services from them, it's helping shape whatever you like and it's really pretty much selling it back to you. So, um, and as well as Amazon Prime, you know what I mean? Like whatever you're watching, it's, it's catering whatever you watch back to you based off of your preferences and what you, you know, your criteria and what you watch. So artificial intelligence is projected to be, if not the equivalent to the internet, like, the printing press it's, it's supposed to be big so but with apple apple hasn't seen much um or we haven't heard much as far as like um of artificial talk from apple right so a lot of people are are really anticipating apple to be able to you know vocalize as far as what their intentions are to get into the race with artificial intelligence but not only that um apple recently debuted their vision pro goggles right it's supposed to be a competitor to the different headsets out there like by sony um, meta with their meta quest you know so these are supposed to be a competitor in that lane now ironically their competitors are are, are competing back they're not developing apps to be um, compatible with apple's vision pro right and which makes sense because we're trying to compete in the same lane that you are and vice versa you know what i mean so they have to be you know, to take some type of like profit margin from them or like a, an, a demographic away from them. Right. So these companies are not looking to play fair. So these are companies that look like Google, Netflix, Spotify, Meta, Roku, TikTok, Snapchat. These are companies that are not looking to make apps to go on the Vision Pro app store for them. So this is big because this is also you know, I mean, we all use these apps on a day to day basis on our Apple phones. Right. So this is going to be big for those who decide to purchase um, Vision Pro. I mean, they expensive thirty five hundred dollars for a headset. Right. And but in some form or fashion, I'm pretty sure there's going to be more people that will inherently buy them because it's just if you're an Apple user, you want the full experience. You want that exposure. Right. But um, 
Anyway, speaking of exposure, I mean, there's there's a high demand for them. Don't get me wrong. And they sold out the pre-orders. I mean, there's the pre-orders are already sold out. And so, I mean, that's a good sign that there is demand. But I mean, I don't know. Meta's got half the price, if not like three fourths of the price um, cut as far as what Apple's charging for their Vision Pro. Their MetaQuest is like, I don't know, nine hundred, eight hundred dollars. So um, this is supposed to help, you know, generate, you know, profit margins for Meta. But Apple, you know, could see. You know, actual consumers purchase their heads, their headsets. You know, if you look at like Tesla, that was a big question about Tesla. Like, like with Elon cutting the prices of the Tesla models down, it was hurting the profit margins, right? And not only that, but it costs a lot to produce some of these these batteries, some of these chips that go into some of these Tesla models and whatnot. So, um, many people had questioned that. You know, as far as Elon's whole you know cut the 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 prices on these these models like how that's going to affect their their profit margins in the end and the end it may work i mean it may not be a big factor in the end but i don't think elon cares about money no more i think he just more so cares about the whole space of just ingenuity creation and planning his his stamp in history you know he he doesn't remind he doesn't he doesn't come off as an individual who's looking to make money anymore. I mean, I, I think when you're at a certain place in life, money doesn't become a moving factor. You know what I mean? It doesn't motivate you as much. But, you know, I think if you're a man, and this is just me speaking as a man, at, I can see at some point money is not a factor, but legacy is. So, like, with Nikola Tesla, you know, he had his mark in history. Um, you know, there were a lot of, like companies that modeled their work off of him like ge you know what i mean like i read like 48 laws of power and it talked about how like they took advantage of that man but it, of course you know it affected him you know financially and i think he did care but at the same time he went down as a man who changed you know the world as we know it we live off of some of his inventions so elon doesn't strike me as someone who really cares about money at this point i think he more so just cares about the legacy at this point so um anyways back to apple i think apple is in a very peculiar spot but i don't think it's the end of apple by no means i think apple is still a very successful company they still have positive profit margin even though that their iphone sales have been dropping these last three quarters i don't think it it's a i don't think it means it's the demise of apple as as you know if you go look at their their uh um 10 q's I mean, you can see in their 10Ks, you can see what how they generate revenue. You know what I mean? But I do think regulators like, you know, policymakers are starting to kind of like address that Apple and some of these other tech companies do have a monopoly. Um, I think regulators are going to start going after them. How like Google and Apple do business together. I think regulators are going to kind of break that up, but it may or may not be a blow. We'll see. I think... Uh, Either way it goes, I think Apple is still good. They still are one, if not the best company in the world. You know what I mean? And I think there's still a demand for their products and services. So, anyways, let that be the conclusion to Tech Talk. As always, I want to end it with Stoic Talk. So, this is, 
I mean, I've been going through very different phases lately as I've been away from podcasting. I've been just growing as a man, as an individual. I've been reading quite a few books, The Way of the Superior Man, um, T.D. Jake's book, He Motions. I, I know some of y'all may have y'all views on T.D. Jake at this point now with all these like, I don't know, speculations and rumors and I don't know, gossip like T.D. Jakes can write some books. dog. I ain't going to lie. And, you know, especially if you're a man who's growing in your life. Right. If you're looking to make change and promote change and and, you know, just, you know, overall, just be a better person. He definitely has some books that will challenge your views on growth. And I definitely enjoy a lot of his literature. And, you know, I've also been a very heavy believer in stoicism, you know, and. I mean, y'all know, I talk about it quite a bit on uh, the podcast in the past, but stoicism is, I think, every man needs to read some for or adopt some form of stoicism in them because it's it's principles to live by. And uh, one of them I came across was by uh, Zeno of Sidium. And one of his quotes that I just I've been kind of just eating up lately is man conquers the world by first conquering himself. So as you go about your day to day life, you know, we try to change and mold the world to us that you first in order to conquer the world, you have to conquer yourself. So a lot of times we struggle with discipline. We struggle with um, self-love and thoughts that generate productive activity. You know, a lot of times we sometimes become complacent and complacency can be one of the biggest you know, killers to growth, right? Because we always think that we have tomorrow, right? Now, tomorrow is never promised, but what we can do is tackle day-to-day tasks bit by bit, right? How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. So as we go through our life and we're trying to change the world around us, we first have to start by uh, conquering ourselves, right? We have to die to our flesh, You know, we have to change our mindsets. We have to adopt better habits. We have to surround ourselves with like minded individuals that have the same goals and visions that we do. Right. We may have different tools getting there, but ultimately it's that fellowship and growing with one another. Right. Because that's important. You know, uh, I heard a man say um, the time you look for a father is ironically when you become a man yourself. Right. When you look for mentors, when you become a man yourself. Right. You look to to be a mentee. Uh, So it's kind of like a full circle. You know, as a kid, you don't really appreciate those moments when people are trying to pour wisdom into you. You don't see the the life application just yet. But when you get around solid men who have values, you know, and virtues that you can, you know, just kind of eat off of, you know, you kind of embody those same things. Right. You know, they say uh, if you surround yourself by, you know, 10 broke men. You know, it's Nipsey. He said, if you surround yourself by 10 broke men, you're bound to be the 11th one. Right. So if you surround yourself by good qualities, good men who have something going for themselves, goals and aspirations who do right by the loved ones. I think you can do anything you want. At that point, you can conquer the world. So with that being said, this is episode 14 of the Owls podcast. And again, I'm your host, Dwayne McCarthy. Thank you for listening. Bye bye.